Friday Waffles, actor, author, vampire. The truth may surprise you. It's previously on tomorrow. All right. Um, hello. And hello. <laughs> All right, everybody. This is um, the the very first episode of our podcast. That is a more of a chat podcast designed for um, nerd culture things, and uh, hopefully, we're going to be getting more of the people in uh, Cambodia and Phnom Penh on here. But uh, pretty damn lucky that uh, I could be joined by B. Dave Walters today. So, uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello 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 how are you doing pretty well actually doing pretty well it's been um hot as hell here in cambodia um i think we've been in like i'm not really good with fahrenheit still even though i have a lot of american friends and i'm still i don't know 40 degrees celsius is around our average at the moment which is pretty hot right yeah i i think i, I think i can extract from the fact that that's a big number and you're in cambodia that it must be pretty hot yes it is pretty damn hot, but um, it's all right today. So, um, yeah, I was uh, very, very, um, like, shocked is not the right word. It's, it's like uh, a, a, somewhere between there and, like, a feeling of admiration, if there was a word for that, when um, I saw just on your Twitter post, you said, hey, I'm doing this thing. If anybody wants to interview me, just send me a message. And there it was. So uh, that's that's speaks a lot of a person's character i think that's really awesome well hey i i appreciate that and i mean the the way i look at it if you're willing to take your time to talk i'm willing to take my time to talk back you know so uh it is uh it, it, is, it is interesting connecting at, at this time because i'm a night owl it's it's very late where i am and i think it's like uh it's the morning where you are so this works out perfectly now like uh Three three twenty two p.m. here, so uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. It is one twenty two in the morning. All right. Yeah. And uh, by the way, I I hear one of my cats is starting to stir, so we we may have uh, we may have other people joining into the conversation soon. Like if one of them decides they wants to jump up here, so if you hear a bell ringing, you'll know what that is. No worries, no worries. That's pretty good. So um, yeah, if if you hear a meowing in the background, that's just likely my cat. Uh, that is true. They're, they're, they all get on here and just talk to each other. I mean, let me tell you what I think. Yeah. Right. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, yeah, the, you've, you've got the, uh, the book coming out uh, on the 20th. So it's in like um, three days. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is. It's, uh, it's, the, it's the very tip of Sunday morning here. And the book drops this Wednesday. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. It's been, a, it's been a long time coming. It's something I've, I've wanted for a long time. Uh, and now it is almost here. It is almost upon us. I'm incredibly excited. That's so awesome, man. I mean, like, how many, uh, how, is, is, is it like a, a full arc? How many, how many episodes are we looking at? Five. So it's a, it's wow. a five-issue arc, yeah. Um, hopefully we're going to get to revisit it sooner than later. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's five issues. So, uh, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's wild. And, uh, it's, it's designed quite intentionally to hook in directly to the events of the summer event of the next thing that's happening. Um, so they're going to get very much caught up in, uh, as, uh, sea of events just like uh there were stream of many eyes last year and then there was the the tomb of annihilation before that so this this will lead directly into all of that and um wow. yeah it's uh, I, it's it's gonna have a lot of nods to the history of the forgotten realms and some past adventures and some past stories and also have some easter eggs for the future that i think about a year from now about a year from now, you can go back and read the whole thing and be like, oh, that was that. I'm like, yeah, that was. And like, oh, wow. And I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm, that's that too. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty damn cool. And I think it's really, uh, really awesome that, I mean, obviously you, you, you work uh, for Wizards doing some writing and everything as well. And um, now you are uh, you're doing the comic and that's going to tie into like actual canon things. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I, I don't actually work for wizards. I, I, I'm not a wizards employee. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is, this is going to be a canonical story. This is, a uh, um, which is part of the reason why it's, it's set in the Moonshay Isles. And I wanted to do that on, on purpose because, um, 
I, I apologize. I'm battling a sniffle that's coming on and I keep managing to like get it just a little far off and it just wants to come through. Um, I said it in the Moonshay Isles because I knew there's some other parts of the realms like, uh, like uh, Waterdeep or Baldur's Gate or Neverwinter where I not only have so many stories been told in those places, but that I yeah. wouldn't be able to really have as meaning and full an impact as I would like on that. Like I can't burn Waterdeep to the ground. Um, unless yeah. you know yeah it's like it's not gonna happen unless maybe i could do it as long as it got like miracle back into existence by the end you know so uh yeah. i picked the moonshine isles because it's a canonical place uh it is actually the setting of the very first forgotten realm story ever told i didn't know that when i picked it i was quite a ways in wow yeah uh dark walker on moonshine uh, in fact it was a fantasy novel that was written and tsr acquired it and set it in the forgotten realms okay that's so it is like the very first thing um and uh there's nods to to that story there's nods to the dark walker on moonshay uh trilogy uh, all throughout this one and um yeah it, it's uh it, it's been neat to be able to uh leave an impact on the world to uh be able to like can, can add a link to the chain of continuity basically uh that goes back 50 years so for sure i mean that's 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 really it's impressive, you know. I, I think things that happen like that are um, are wonderful when you can have that sort of impact on people. Like, uh, I mean, obviously, so you are Victor Temple on LA by Night, which is fucking amazing. I'm just gonna say it. Really good. <laughs> Love it. That is true. Really awesome. Yep. And I think what what impresses me is just an overall fan of like the, uh, you know. World of Darkness, Vampire the Masquerade, and everything like that is how the events that were from the video game that Bloodlines, became yeah. a phenomenon have become canon, which is yep. uh, it's, it's wonderful when there can be those sort of crossovers like that. It, it makes people feel much more invested and in that what you were playing is not separate from everything else. Yeah. Uh, well, same thing. It, it's wild to be in a place where I'm actually having an, a lasting impact in these worlds that I've spent so many hundreds and hundreds, possibly thousands of hours of my life in, where, again, everything we do in L.A. by night is canonical. Um, you know, the, they're putting out lore sheets for all of us so that we, we can be in other people's campaigns if, if they want any of our characters, um, which is bananas. Um, seeing my seeing the victor temple lore sheet like in print was like holy crap wow that's cool um yeah in 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 with bloodlines especially i think people are really enjoying it because there's a lot of things that come up in bloodlines that of course you as the neophyte witness and participate yeah. in so you have a lot of behind the scenes information that our characters on uh la by night don't possess like i don't want to spoil anything but that's like why Every time I start talking about wanting to talk to Jeanette because I think Therese Foreman is betraying us all, you know, a, a not insignificant portion of the fandom is like, you know, whereas <laughs> My you, know, you guys know, know things that. that we don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Yeah. But it, it, it's true. It, it does create a more, uh, you feel invested in events that you yourself feel like you played through and you yourself yeah. have watched play out over time. And then to see those things come to life in a new and different way, like to see Nines Rodriguez brought to life, to see Therese Vorman wow. brought to life, to see I, Baron Abrams brought to life, yeah. Sure, I, I am. Uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, actually getting to watch season two because I've been watching it on YouTube and haven't gotten to like Twitch enough and all that type of stuff like that. Uh, which I should really get a subscription because it just makes sense at this point. Well, the things that I watch are there. I don't generally watch television anymore. I just watch right. shows that people content create, which is pretty great. I think it is definitely a way of the future, and it is now. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, when I saw that, uh, again, on Twitter, that um, like they actually brought in Nines Rodriguez, I was like, whoa, that's amazing. Yep. Luis Carrazzo, I Apologize if I said your name wrong, Luis. Uh, but yeah, he is astonishing because he is nines. He nice. is nines, and it's perfect. Yeah, 
that's pretty amazing. So, uh, and, and, yeah. and, and Whitney, uh, Whitney does a really great job as Therese, uh, also as doing Therese Warman. She, she really yeah. nails the, the layers and, and complexity of, uh, of that particular character. So it's, uh, it's wild. It's it's quite a thing to see, and I, if in my humble opinion, very much worth the five dollars. Uh, and, and I don't know if you have Amazon Prime there, if that's a thing in Cambodia. But anybody who's got Amazon Prime, you can get Twitch Prime uh, as part of your subscription, and then you have it for free, basically. I remember like ages ago seeing something. Uh, I think it was in one of the beginning things in Critical Role where Marisha Ray was talking about this. She was saying, "Oh, you just need to uh, get this, and then you can get you know Twitch." basically coupled in with it. So that's not a bad thing. We have Netflix, so we can probably get Amazon Prime. I'll actually have a look into that. There's a couple of uh, a couple of shows which I'm am really excited about just as a as a giant nerd myself is um The Wheel of Time is coming to Amazon and that's uh yep. not too far away. Yeah then the Lord of the Rings is in development also. So it's uh it's a good time to be into this kind of thing, really, where people with a lot of money are throwing at it because, well, quite frankly, they've just come to realize that it's profitable, that it's valuable, it, that mm -hmm. it's the, the, the reason why the superhero movies are seeing the booming renaissance that they have is that the people who grew up on that content are now in the positions to make the decisions to, to both make these things and take these stories seriously, which yeah. is what I'm trying to do in my own way with um, Dark and Wish, the comic book. Yes. And then, I mean, it, it is far more Lord of the Rings than it is the Saturday morning cartoon. Like, it is, it is hardcore and intense. And, uh, and it's supposed to be a sweeping fantasy epic, which uh, nice. hopefully I nail. Yeah, I mean, um, just, just from that, that, that first part that I saw there, uh, I'm, I'm really invested so far. I'm really invested. It was, uh, I've got to say, the, the, the twins are probably my favorite so far, even though they barely said anything. Uh, I'm quite, uh, quite invested to seeing what happens with those two. You know, I, I appreciate it because I, I, I judge Vampire the same way. So in, in, in with, this, with this comic, I judge, where if every single person is someone's favorite, mm -hmm. you're probably doing a good job. You yeah. know, like, like these people like that one and these people like that one and these people like that one, you know, but there's something for everybody, then you've yeah. probably hit all the right notes, you know. Um, if you have something where it's like, no, I only like that one person and the rest of them are kind of expendable, you know, then you need to reevaluate. So I, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm very proud of the twins. And I, um, I can tell you, I'm working actively on the streaming tie-in series. Uh, for this and I already know who I want to play them and if it all works out it is going to be pretty much perfect yeah that'll be pretty amazing man this um there's something you said earlier there is why it's, it's such a nice time to be alive with with all of these things happening and that they are oh yeah just the uh the scope of story that I find people can tell within RPGs is yeah ridiculous it's 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 really really ridiculous like we um just just with our channel and uh you know the 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 thing that we stream our our dv game that we stream and everything like that it was uh we had this moment where my character is kind of like a uh, sort of like werewolf people and mm. uh you know his but the good kind and then when if something drives them insane then they become regular kind of werewolves basically and there was this whole event where we had to go to a temple and uh, try and see if they were there and uh, scouting everything around, see that everyone has gone crazy and we're basically like full on werewolves now. And um, there was this moment, the scene between myself and my friend Fleur and her character. So the characters, like we were sitting there um, basically on a beach or whatever. And uh, so she, she ended up casting Locate Person because she wanted to see if my dad was there. You know, my character's dad was there. And uh, then she ended up like zooming in on him and saw that he was also a werewolf. So she comes to me on the beach. We have this emotional conversation. And me as a person, as a human being, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm physically crying over something that doesn't necessarily actually exist. And, uh, you know, I, I say to her in character, you know, if, if I can't kill them, I need you to do it for me. And, and both Fleur and I were like crying and, and shaking during this thing. It's, it's, it's such a emotional way of doing things. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because um, it's and those emotions are real, you know? I mean, to a certain extent, it is, it's just a game. Sure, it's just a game. But, I mean, it's just like, to me, it's almost more akin to acting, especially streaming, um, in the sense that you're still put on this role and you're still putting on this facade. And if you're doing it well, you're still bringing every single bit of yourself um, into it that you would otherwise. Mm-hmm. Like, naturally in my life, I'm not really much of a crier. I only cry happy tears. Like, I cry when I'm excited. Like, if I see, like, a movie trailer, I really love, I'll cry. But, like, um, any other emotions, like, not really. And uh, in season two of We're Alive, uh, that there, there was a particularly emotional episode we'd had um, where we'd all gone on various vision quests. Uh, that's my my character um, is like a quasi shaman, and I have the plant medicine, which is uh, useful for you know very vital plot exposition. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, we, we, we know ended up using stuff. some of that in our campaign too. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, Anjali Bamani and Zandu Janare both had like these like ridiculously powerful um, experiences, and then it it rolled around to me and. Even as I was watching them, I was kind of like, well, you know, doesn't really matter what I'm about to say because I can't go there with it. And uh, I, I started doing mind and I found myself getting emotional and myself crying. And I'm like, wow, that's not a thing that happens. But here we are, you know, and it's, uh, it's the same thing. It, it, it's just um, if you can get yourself deep enough into that place, you know, you're going to react how you react. And uh, I think that's that's the key, not just to giving a decent performance in or playing these games and making it worthwhile but uh just telling a good story in general i think so i think that that emotional investment and the connection is is some of the most important things we can really do as anyone wanting to create anything really i mean if you don't have some kind of effect there then it's uh you know maybe you got to tweak some things <laughs> well and I, I think also i think the audience knows i, I think you know a lot of people are trying to figure out what the secret sauce is so you can bottle it and you know why critical role is critical role or, or, mm. or things like that and they set out to duplicate it and all the pieces are there but it just doesn't work and um, mm-hmm. that's the real difference it's that that authentic genuine investment you know it's like when, when you get somebody that, that would have been doing it for free of their own free will that would have been paying you to let them do it you know <laughs> like that's when you uh the actual love is what comes through that's why jason's so good at vampire because he like actually really loves the game um and and has been neck deep in it for a very long time and actually cares about what's going to happen in every little thing um and that, you know, that, that intricacy and attention to detail and, and being steeped in the lore uh, is what makes the story work the way it does, which is, you know, fantastic. Yeah. And, then, and then I come along, I'm probably the, the second most senior uh, vampire player because I've been playing it from, from the beginning of all 25 years there. And nice. uh, it, it's... The same thing, like we were talking earlier. I, I'm constantly parsing what Victor does and doesn't know, you know, because I'm all like, I know. So, and, and I'll go out of my way to say things occasionally that I know are incorrect because he doesn't know. You know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's fun, fun opportunities to layer all those things in. That is, that is pretty enjoyable, I must admit. Uh, so, as far as uh, as far as Victor goes, um, when you guys were sitting down and uh, getting ready to create your characters or or however you went, uh, what made you what made you really decide on uh, yeah, I'm gonna be a venture? Oh, I had to. Oh, I had to. No, venture is my clan. Um, it so happens the very first game I played on stream ever was in December 2017. I did a vampire one-shot for uh, Satine Phoenix's charity, uh, Charity 20. Nice. And uh, we did a vampire one-shot, and Jason was the storyteller, and I played in that, and I played a gangrel. I never played a gangrel, because Ventrue is my clan. But it was an opportunity to do it, and so I went all in, you know, dressed up, did a voice, the whole nine yards. Nice. And... Um, uh, afterwards, you know, fast forward to this story, uh, it was like, so you're going to do a venture, uh, gangrel again. And I was like, well, I could, 
But in the back of my mind, I'm always going to wish I had done a venture through. Because I knew then that this was going to be lore, that we were going to be launching V5, that in many ways we were going to be the new faces of the game. Sure, yeah. And no matter how good a job I'd done in anything else, I would have always known, oh, but I wanted to be an intro. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, and, and it's funny, we... um. We moved around all through, like all the way to the week of. Like I, I won't tell you which person it was, but somebody redesigned their character completely the week of the show. And nice. like we went live on Friday, one of them got rebuilt from the ground up that Monday. So uh, I have a feeling uh, it might be Erica, but let's just be. <laughs> like I said, I, I can neither confirm nor deny any. <laughs> that's not my business when you interview the rest of the cast if one of them chooses to volunteer that so be it but <laughs> that, would not be, gonna that'd be awesome i'm not gonna lie that'd be great um, but yeah, it's, uh, i mean it's 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 funny that like you know the way you say like venture is my clan because i you know um in our game that we're playing now you know uh i'm i'm playing toreador uh and the whole concept was because we started like two or three years ago with my buddy. It was like a couple of us were like, we really want to play vampire. And he says, okay, cool. I'll run for you. And um, I was uh, I'm like, okay, what if I could play myself, mm -hmm. but as a vampire? And I said, why not? Because we're playing it in our city. So, uh, you know, I, I, I went to the Toreador thing. It's like, I kind of like think Toreador, Tremere, let's see, I'm going to go for Toreador. But um, it's, it's funny how you can sometimes tell people's like what they would play in, in certain games or like very very quickly um a new uh a new person who's just joined us for our uh, our second arc with our, our vampire story that we're running which will only be out like a, in a long time because i'm just releasing the first arc now episode by episode um but i met him at my friend's uh, birthday party uh, very very quickly and i haven't gotten his name yet but for some reason i saw the dude and i'm like you feel like a bruja and then my friend Don was like, oh, this is James. He's the one who wants to be the Bruja in the new game. I'm like, ah. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's kind of weird how that, how that is, and I don't really know why. <laughs> I've, I've played, I mean, now I've played, like, a lot of characters. I mean, I, I did a stream on Savings Throw Show earlier today. We did a Breakfast Club theme stream where I would play five uh, just tonight and um, today in the one stream. Uh, but of all of them, Victor is the most like me. Like if I if I were to become a vampire, like I mean, my his life would more or less probably end up being my life. Like I've <laughs> been at it a little while, yeah. Which again makes it very easy to play him because I'm always like super clear on what he'd do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, <laughs> whereas uh, a, some other characters are not that. And I, I actually there's there's some that I I, I like. I'd played Chateau for two, and we're alive for two seasons by the time we even started developing Vampire. And okay. I intended initially for Victor to be very, 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 very different from him. Okay. And in the first couple of episodes, he is, he really is. And then right about the time that I became Baron, like their paths started to like align more. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, uh, We're Alive, again, just for anybody who's not aware, it's We're Alive Frontier. It was on Alpha. It's going to be coming to Twitch. Uh, it is a post-apocalyptic zombie horror survival show. Uh, so we're 20 years after the apocalypse, I think, almost 30 years after the apocalypse. Um, and it's just, you know, humanity is reformed, kind of. Um, they're not technically zombies because they're biological uh, creatures. It's more like a I Am Legend. Think about if, if it was... Uh, more of we're said in the world i am legend okay. and uh my so my character has no powers and obviously has been through a lot more uh but i find the care the, the circumstances and situations that i end up like presented with or find myself in end up being like very similar between the two <laughs> um you know uh but i i, I mean i i think um it's interesting like testing your limits and things because i think to a certain extent um, we're limited by the tools in our toolbox. Uh, some people have bigger toolboxes than others, of course. Uh, you yeah. know, you, you take somebody like Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, it's a freaking, you know, Home Depot worth of tools. Uh, where's somebody like Mark Wahlberg, he's the same dude every time. 
So <laughs> that, that's I'm, kind of true. Like different movies, but it's always Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> He's the reluctant badass. Yeah. 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 He didn't really want to do this, but now he has to. Yeah, yeah. that's him. Um, and, you know, I, I'm to the point now that I'm really like consciously, actively trying to like, how much different can I make this? Like how far out of what I would normally do can I do? Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, I, I think that's enjoyable, you know? It's, it's, it's a difficult thing as well. Um, you know, when I, when I first started uh, playing, like, you know, tabletop RPGs, like, for years I was into, like, growing up, things like, uh, well, let's start with Icewind Dale, Baldur's Gate 2, and uh, Neverwinter Nights, and uh, all of those things. And uh, then... I always wanted to play the tabletop version, but just never was able to. It was only here in Cambodia that I met people that were hosting the game. And I made my first character so super invested. He's still, to this day, he's my favorite. You know, he was a, a Asmar sorcerer. And uh, I had this, the backstory just came like that. Out of thin air. It's like, rrr, 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 there, there's this fully fledged person. And... Um, yeah, I, I love playing. It was very, very easy to play Jelen. And then uh, the second character um, actually was a game that my friend Ben was running. And uh, so he was running. He was He's currently DMing our campaign that is on the channel at the moment. Um, but then I made this uh, Drow Warlock by the name of Trixie. And uh, again, she was very, very easy to play because it's like these sort of high charisma characters. And then they, they go out and they get things done in this, this sort of way. Um, and then when, when we came down to sort of this campaign, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to do something completely different that I wouldn't ever really play and uh, play a different kind of person. So I ended up being a ranger and like charisma pretty low, intelligence pretty low, that, that type of thing. And it, it, it took me a long time to actually get into the dude. Really, really long time. Uh, when you're sort of playing against your strengths or whatever, it takes you a long time to get into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I think, uh, especially streaming, I think that can be very useful. I mean, it's useful at home also because, again, how many how many bards can you play? Uh, the answer is uh, several, but there's still um, you know there's there's still uh, a limit. You know, and, and again, I just I like the challenge uh, because I know um, I've absolutely got my preferences like. Again, with Venture, the reason why I wanted to do that is I think, I think Malkavian is probably the clan that is played wrong the most, but a very close second is Venture, you know, um, and I wanted to show um, that there's another way to look at it. I mean, I think if we'd been a Camarilla coterie, because uh, there was a chance we were going to, I mean, we went back and forth about whether or not we were going to be Anarch or Camarilla. Um, yeah. He would have been slightly different, um, but not that different, honestly. Um, it, you know, I um, I think the also that that part of that is is the the core spirit of V five mm-hmm. is in many ways the Camarilla were the good guys. I say in air quotes of yeah. old vampire. Um, understanding that there were no good guys the camarilla were the good guys the anarchs were the bad guys and the sabbat were just like the horrific monsters that you do not speak of the real bad guys (laughs) yeah now now the pendulum has swung somewhat in v5 and the anarchs are the good guys and the camarilla are the bad guys and the sabbat are the monsters that you do not speak of because surely they've all been eradicated right right yeah yeah surely we've seen the last of the sabbat right um (laughs) You know, Jason and I were talking about this exact thing. Um, I'm like, they're an infectious disease. It just takes one. You just need one to live. One, you yeah. know? And you got, you're, you're up to your ears in them again, you know, uh, in no time flat. Um, I mean, the so, thing is, like, technically speaking, they weren't wrong. You know what I mean? They weren't wrong. Just the way they went about their shit was wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, also, if you, if you really look at it, there's not a huge difference between any of the traditions. Not really. The Camarilla and the Anarchs are almost interchangeable now, uh, as you've seen Victor say overtly. 
Um, but even the Sabbat, even when they're like, embrace the beast, be free, be yourself. I'm like, mm, you still got your bishops and your structure. You still got a masquerade because you still don't just run into a shopping mall and murder everybody. It's you're, just not you're like, like, you're still doing the same thing. Well, because I, at the end of the day, all the kindred are still constrained by the same beast. And yeah. that is why no matter what they try to do, you always come back to certain uh, certain notes you're gonna hit every time. For sure. Now you so you you played uh you played Vampire for quite a long time. How was it making making the switch over from like I don't know what the last incarnation you played if you were playing the twentieth anniversary edition or something to V five? Like how how different did you find the mechanics? Um I mean it's I think they did a good job of facelifting uh the old game. Actually, hang on one second. Sorry. Had a big giant snarf come on me. Sorry. Uh, I think they did a very good job of facelifting the old game and updating it for modern audiences. I really, re and, but making it feel the same, uh, I really like the blood dice mechanic. I really like that. Um, I, I like that over blood pool because it takes it from a resource management game and turns it into a risk management game. Um, which I think is uh, really good. Uh, I, I won't give you any spoilers, but there's a, there's a, I do something in the season finale of this episode, like, um, and it put me to three hunger immediately. And I had to like, keep thinking uh, all like with everything I did, I was like, well, wait a second. I can't like risk rinsing right now. Um, there's another, something else that happens very early in season two that put me at four hunger. And I was like, I can't freak out right now. Like I have to just like, figure out another solution um which would not really have been a thing if it was just a matter of like well it's been this point it's been that point it's been this point it's been that yeah. point, you know like mm. that element of it um that element of tension would not be there um okay. and uh and i like that and, and I, if i had to wager a guest i don't have any like uh keener insight into this than um you know than you do but if i had to wager a guess you know, the next iteration of Werewolf, the next iteration of Mage, when they get around to that. Um, I think you're going to see that with all of it. There's going to be Rage Dice, there's going to be Paradox Dice. I mean, like, that's that's probably going to be the new way it goes, because, quite frankly, it works. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we were, you know, we were we were discussing amongst ourselves, like, okay, we could uh, try and facelift the characters through, through V5 and everything that the problem, some of the problems that we had, number one, is that one of our players is in the Sombra, and I don't believe that's in the V5 book. Not it is now. It wasn't, uh, the, they're, in the, they're in the new Anarch book. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, no, they're they in the new Camarilla book. Well, no, they're, oh, they're in the new Camarilla book because the uh, Ministry is in the Anarch book, but it's out now. Now they're the Sombra rules. And the uh, Asmites as well, because one of the other players is an Asmite. So the Banu Hakim are back in the plot line. Uh, they've joined the Camarilla, but uh, they have not been statted out yet, to okay. my knowledge. Yeah, that, that that was one of the things. One of the things, just like okay, they aren't they aren't there yet, and we have these clans. And the other thing, uh, actually, living in Cambodia, it's we don't have game hobby stores yet, and uh, this is a large part of why I wanted to start. This whole channel in the first place is to get these things more popular so hopefully you know we can get the hobby stores we can have the more conventions we can have all this type of stuff like that so we can't really just go out and okay these dice are being held so i can go and buy these dice ordering right. on amazon for us is like um it's really expensive for the delivery and a lot of items just do not ship here there is yeah. like another option with a guy that can uh, sort of order the stuff, but then it, you know your stuff takes a month, and it's still like you're you're still paying quite a large shipping fee, but it's not as much as you would pay directly through Amazon. So there's there are constraints. There there, there are some constraints. Like um, I don't know if you've ever played uh, Fate. Have you ever played any Fate games? Mm -hmm. I'm familiar with Fate. Yep. I would say that's uh, that has become my my favorite system sure my favorite system hands down just because you can make any story you want anything any characters any story it's it's great but uh i was lucky enough that um one of our friends was back in the states and uh he ended up 
I said to him, hey, just buy me some real fake dice because I'm tired of using regular D6s and just counting which ones are the pluses and minuses. <laughs> but yeah. I have sorts of things. So there are constraints to living here, but it's growing. Uh, it's growing very well. Some of the universities here, uh, almost every year, they have like one or two cosplay events and um, people really, they go all out. We went last year just to have a look at it and uh, some people really amazing costumes for just being, and I use some quotations, just Cambodia because we're sure. South Asia, we're not like Japan, we're not Taiwan, whatever, we're Cambodia. Mm -hmm. So it's developing, developing quickly, but still. Yeah, it's uh, you. You can never tell who's going to be into what, too, because I have uh, an anomalously large following in Malaysia in Kuala Lumpur. For <laughs> I'm just like, mm, all right, that's cool. <laughs> hey, everybody, you know. Uh, well, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I mean, obviously, um, you know, the places have their own cultures, and obviously, mm -hmm. there's some parts of the world where those cultures have a tighter grip on day-to-day -day life than other places, of course. But mm -hmm. I, I think humans being humans, there's going to be geeks everywhere, you know? So just have to give them a chance. Yeah, just have to, have to give, them, give them a chance to realize that these things are out there and give them a chance to realize that they're not weird for liking them. You know? For sure. When, um, there's uh, a place here uh, in, in, in Phnom Penh um, that somebody opened up maybe two or three years ago called the Puzzle Chamber. It's the closest thing we have so far because uh, it's, it's a board games cafe and there's, there's tons and tons of board games and the staff gets sent to like Malaysia to actually learn how to play these board games so they can teach people how to play them. They've got a VR room and everything. Uh, they were super happy to let us host for a one shot. Like in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if I can get them to understand Dungeons and Dragons, maybe I can start Adventures League there, and that type of stuff. It would yeah. be so there yeah. are these people out there. Um, my day job is being a teacher. So uh, I was teaching in third grade and I teach uh, other things as well. And um, for summer school last year, uh, I actually ended up playing, uh, running my kids through Curse of Strahd. And mm. I think that's uh, something that I've seen a few articles on here and there, and uh, I'm glad it's becoming more popular and prevalent, is the idea of using these RPGs to actually educate. And that's actually what I'm doing tomorrow is going to a game shop to teach D and D to kids. Yep. I'm taking, I'm taking my youngest with me also. And we're, we're going to, uh, you know, help them, help them join the fellowship, uh, just tomorrow. Yep. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Cause it's like, um, there's very few ways that a person can, uh, learn, in a very safe, organic kind of way about conflict resolution, about yep. thought, about planning, about morality, yep. about, you know, uh, the correct use of power, etc. Not many things, and it also helps you with math. <laughs> you know, yep. basic math is good. Well, yeah. And I, I think also, I think the, the appeal of these games, while they will never go away, no matter how prevalent video games, well, I mean, video games are all already prevalent, but I mean, no matter how far technology advances to the, the starriest heights of VR technology to when we full-blown have holodecks, we will still have these tabletop RPGs for one reason and one reason only. It is an opportunity to participate in a narrative where your actions have an impact, where you can be at cause in something, where you can do, do something and it matters. Uh, a lot of people don't get that in life. And even in video games, you get it artificially because you're on rails. Um, yeah. In a tabletop RPG, you can go anywhere and you can do anything. And, um, you know, you, you, as, as far as long as you've got a good, uh, a good storyteller, of course, who can roll with you, um, there's no limits on which way the story goes or whatever happens. Like, uh, again, today we did this, um, breakfast club crossover and, um, saving throw show. They, it's a, it was a funding a fundraiser. So, uh, at every donation tier, we unlock new things that we would have to do basically. 
Uh, and it ended up like, we're the breakfast club. And then it's like, all right, you're the breakfast club, but you got superpowers. Okay, it's the breakfast club, but you got superpowers. Then you have Bill and Ted's time machine. And now there's a zombie invasion. And it's like all these things just kept getting tacked <laughs> on um, in a way that no video game will ever be able to approximate, ever. I, I agree. Um, I agree. It's, uh, it's just so, so diverse. It's so diverse. And you can't, you can't fake that. You can't fake those genuine sort of moments when you do have a good GM or storyteller or whatever, and then they're rolling with you and they just change something on the fly. It's like, okay, this is happening now. <laughs> Uh, and I, I will tell you, though, just the, in my experience, the simplest way to get somebody into it, though, is you say, like, hey, you know, do, do you like Lord of the Rings? Or even what's your favorite show, even if it's not a fantasy show? Um, and it's like, they're like, okay, I like Lord of the Rings. And you're like, cool, who's your favorite character? Oh, I like Legolas. I'm like, cool, all right, you're Legolas now. Um, you're in the woods. You see some footprints. They look like orc footprints. What would you like to do? They're like, oh, I follow them. You see an orc up ahead. He's like bent over, like he's like um, killing a deer or something. Well, what I, what do you want to do? Oh, I want to shoot him because of course they want to shoot him. They always do. That's when you hand him one d six and you're like, roll this. If you get above four, you hit him. Roll. You hit him. Oh, he's he's hurt. And then you make it this whole big dramatic thing, and they're hooked. They're in. You know, um, the the key to getting new players into the game is getting them playing the game as fast as you possibly can. Uh, mm -hmm. The more front-loading there is, the more there's talking about rules, the more there's going through books and all that stuff, you lose people. Once they have an idea what it actually is, then they're like, oh, okay. Now, so wait, my character can do this? Oh, there's fireball people? Oh, okay, wait, uh, you, then you've got them. you got them. I think, I think that's one of the reasons why I do enjoy uh, fate as a as a system, is because like the game literally starts when you're sitting down with a group of friends and you're spitballing about what is our universe like. We're making mm -hmm. this right now. Who are the bad mm -hmm. guys in the universe? What do you think you do? How how do you guys know each other? How's it interacted? So it's kind of like you start playing before you're starting the story because you're building people, you're building worlds, you're building everything. So yeah, getting people just straight into it is is for sure for sure a thing because i was trying to uh help people make like dnd characters without apps and everything like that and it's like okay now you've got to do this and you've got to add that and you've got to do this now you choose your weapons it's like an hour and a half later you have your character now you can start you know <laughs> yep yep no you just got to be like what do you want to do i i want to be uh I want to be a minotaur barbarian with an axe. Like, great. I'd play all the way through the first session, just like randomly being like, roll it. Uh, that's enough. You know, roll it. Uh, that's a miss. And then like, well, again, once they're into it, and you're like, cool, well, let's go ahead and build, you know, Thrognar the rest of the way now. Because um, again, it's, it's the experience is what it is. Because a lot of people are easily overwhelmed. Uh, a lot of people are easily bored, you know, like even somebody who has it in them to become the biggest theory crafter out there mm. uh, is almost certainly not going to start there. Um, and, uh, and, and, and there is a big push in a lot of game design now that uh, collaborative storytelling element. Uh, Hill Folk is like that, where you build a universe together. Uh, okay. Vampire V5, the new rule is you start with the coterie. You actually build the coterie before you build the individual vampires, which is interesting. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, uh, and you, you establish your coterie and you establish your purpose first, um, which actually affects your, uh, your, the other resources that you're going to have access to when you build your character, which is neat. Um, there's uh, another one who's uh, it's escaping me right now. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to come back to it and it's just like interrupt you in mid-sentence and tell you. But, but uh, I, I think that's neat, though, you know, to, to be able to... Uh, carve out that um almost chunk of collaborative reality together it is it is a beautiful thing for sure i i really enjoy it and i think just uh you know when you when you've done that with people and you do have those moments where you know you've story told if you run a game or whatever then after that session people your friends are like, oh, I'm so excited. I don't know what's going to happen next time. Ah, oh, this was amazing. That's, 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 a, that's a beautiful thing to experience. Well, they're invested in it because now it's theirs. Yeah. You know, like, you, you don't just, you know, throw the story at them, you know. Um, 
the the moment that uh, you know you, you give them uh, three doors and you know make one of them locked and they're hooked. You know what I mean? You're just like they're they're hooked. Yeah. Uh, because I, and, and again, this is this is a um, kind of a speech that that I always give. That I think the most important thing to remember is that it is a collaborative art. It is mm-hmm. um, it is something you are doing together. Even in the, the most quote unquote restrictive systems, um, even something like like D and D fifth edition, which I love, of course. Um, there's still nothing stopping you from saying like, all right, you walk into a room, you tell me what you see, you know, your mom walks into the room. What does she look like? You know, and just keep like tossing it back to them, you know, because what you'll find that will keep people off their phones. That will keep people (laughs) right there and engaged and listening to every single thing. Because again, they're helping construct it with you and they're in there helping participate in creating this reality. I mean, and that even works with things like a curse of Strahd or things that are coming like right out of the box that it's like, all right, you're in a, a dark, uh, spooky area of the forest. Tell me what it looks like, you know, and then let them lay it on you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a very cool way of doing things. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about like, uh, moments and stuff that, that, that people, people have role playing. I mean, what, what would you consider to be like one of your top moments? Yet. The season finale of We're Alive Frontier, season one, season finale of We're Alive Frontier, 100%. Uh, I, I won't tell you what happens. Uh, hopefully, when it, you'll get Twitch, and it's coming to Twitch, and when that happens, you'll see it. Um, it is the equivalent of hitting a hole-in-one and having it on tape for the entire world to see. Like, the ending of season one of We're Alive Frontier is absolutely bananas. Um mm-hmm. I think uh, second to that was when Victor became Baron. Um, when when I, I, I threw that hail freaking Mary and it worked. I honestly thought Isaac was going to do something really horrible for a while. <laughs> you know, uh, no spoilers. I won't, I won't say anything. I did, no comment. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, I will I will tell you this though, because this isn't a spoiler, because it didn't happen. Um, but when I that game that session yeah. when we were at break, I went up to Jason and I was like, "If I kill Abrams, will it ruin the story?" And he's like, mm, "I don't know if you can kill Abrams." And I was like, mm, "That's not what I'm asking." I said, "If I kill Abrams, <laughs> will it ruin the story?" And he's like, "No." And I was like, "Cool, cool, cool, cool." So I sat back down at the table. Like, I was like, if the opportunity presents itself, I'm going to notch this dude. And then <laughs> things played out the way they played out. <laughs> and it was academic. <laughs> yeah. That's so. pretty awesome. Oh, man. Uh, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, we've spoken uh, a, a lot about vampire now. We've spoken uh, some about D&D and the artwork and such. But uh, I, I think I just want to get your some of uh, your... Like, how did you end up getting involved in the first place with, like, Geek and Sundry, for example? Like, where, where did that start? Uh, I introduced my buddy Damien Poitier and Jason Charles Miller, because I knew the two of them, and I introduced them to each other. And uh, Jason got Damien in to do Signal Boost a couple years back, and then they were on Foreververse together with uh, Ivan Van Norman and Tricia and Amy Vorpal. And at that time, I was still, like, working full-time, going into the office every day. And I got to tell you, kind of in the back of my mind, I was like, well, this sucks. Like, you guys wouldn't even know each other if not for me. And you're, like, going to, like, play games all the time. Uh, (laughs) But I was just like, you know, whatever. It's cool. It's cool. You know, whatever. And um, I was, like, you know... it was still like doing my thing and like every, and I, I was doing a lot of panels and conventions cause I I've been doing panel appearances talking about like the, the um, spiritual themes and like comics and media and kind of like the, like metaphorical significance of these things. And okay. so Damien hit me up one day and he's like, I've got an idea for a show called ask your black geek friend that I want to pitch to geek and sundry. And I was like, stop right there. I'm in. And so that was Wednesday. We shot the pilot Saturday. That Monday, they told us they wanted the show. Nice. And 
it's it was that was in like March and it was August before we actually went up because of just some you know production stuff. Um, and uh, so Ask Your Black Geek Friends started in August. Uh, I was on that Chair D20 thing that December. Um, then I guessed it on Saving Throw Show was the next thing. And then I got um, cast in a We're Alive Frontier at Inkwell Society at the same time. Um, I was an alternate for We're Alive. Uh, there was a real chance I wasn't going to get on, uh, which is why I'm only in like the last two episodes of season one. Okay. Um, uh, because the, the plan for that show, there were six cast members and three alternates because it was supposed to be this super hardcore bloodbath right. and someone does die fairly early in the show. And it is like shocking and amazing and astonishing because it's not at all what you would expect in a show like this. Um, and it's just like, I mean, that's this show. That's, that's this show, you know? Um, and, uh, so then I, I didn't finally give my chance, which again, I'm, I'm being vague on purpose because anybody hearing this, if you haven't watched Where Alive Frontier, you should. It is astonishing. Uh, I, I would watch it even if it wasn't on there. to watch it. <laughs> uh, well, it, it, the, the advantage of Where Alive is it is the most cinebat, cinematic of one of these shows produced ever. Like in terms of like camera angles and the sound effects and, and, and the sets and the practicals and all the stuff we were able to do is mind-boggling. And when you take something like D&D, even to a lesser extent vampire, but definitely D&D, there is a presumption of success. I mean, if you fight the dragon, you're going to beat the dragon. I mean, not always. People die. Sometimes whole parties wipe. But for the most part, if you're being confronted with a challenge, you are equal to or greater than that challenge. For the most part. Yeah. Um, We're alive is not like that. (laughs) There is no presumption of success at all. So every single time you fight the infected, it's scary. Every single time you're in a gunfight, it's scary. Uh, because anything can kill you, like, at any time. And it, that's a one-way trip. And But because of that, like, winning and surviving and making it through is, like, like <gasps> it's, like, <laughs> the craziest rush ever. Um, and uh, then after We're Alive, uh, then I did Theogony of Kairos, which was my D&D show. Um, we only did six episodes, including the Gen Con finale, which I wished, I wished we'd got to spend more time in that world with those characters, uh, but I'm going to get to scratch that itch soon with this D&D stream. Um, and uh, then there was Vampire, then there was, well, then there was Real Life Season 2, then there was Vampire, and a, a bunch of, like, you know, guesting and things sprinkled all through there, and then we're pretty much here. <laughs> but it's all happened fast. It's from, from, from august 2017 to now so about a year about a year and a half which it's wild because um everybody's like i can't believe you've done as much as you've done in this time and i'm like because i knew exactly what i was trying to do i knew when i set foot in geek and sundry the very first time i knew exactly what i was trying to accomplish and so i had a plan in my head i was able to follow that plan and it worked Mm. out so that's 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 something that uh yeah, I guess as a word of advice for myself and for anyone who listens to this. So, uh, you know, coming from like being a person with an idea. So my idea after like getting into these shows and you know watching them and learning how to play and everything, my idea was it would be nice if Cambodia had something like that and I would like yep. to do that. So then mm-hmm. uh, when I was getting a camera, getting a mixer, trying to learn sound, trying to do like video editing and everything by myself. And I'm still not really good at it. But like, if you are trying to do something like that by yourself, and I have the people that like, obviously Ben wrote the story for the campaign for D&D. And I, I was storytelling for the vampire thing. And now Aaron is running our next uh, D&D campaign. So like I said, I have people doing that. But when it comes to like the marketing and the editing, the sound, the video and stuff like that, it's like a one person kind of thing. So when you have, when you have a, a person with like an idea and you're essentially mostly doing it alone, what is your mm-hmm. advice to me or to anyone listening to us that is trying to do the same thing? Start and do it. Don't, don't be overly uh, put off by the complexities of it. 
uh, don't get caught up with, I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this because none of that's actually true. Uh, you need a webcam and an internet connection and start. Uh, because even if it is like super grimy, I think the one thing that is definitely important is people need to be able to hear you. There mm -hmm. was a big survey that was done lately, uh, that Wizards of the Coast did, and they released the findings to a lot of us in the streaming community mm -hmm. um, about just you know what people like and why and why they watch and all that stuff. And uh, one of the things was the number one thing that is important to you in a stream, or it might have been phrased in the negative, like what's the first thing that will make you turn something off? And it was poor sound quality. Like people yeah. would put up, people would put up with not even being able to see you well if they can hear you, because then they, a lot of people just listen and aren't watching anyway. Um, but beyond that, yeah, just do it. Even if it's just plug in the tiniest little uh, uh, webcam and start because in many ways that will be quaint and in many ways it'll make a person feel like they're really there at the table with you um mm -hmm. second to that I, I would say um decide in advance what your brand is going to be um you know because the show needs to be what it is and it needs to stay internally consistent with what it is um even though um uh you know, we did our D and D show, and it was nothing like Critical Role. Even though it we're still playing the same show, uh, mm -hmm. I think you need to decide in advance if you're going to do things like, are you going to break character? You know, um, like I think what sets streaming apart from from regular tabletop is when you're playing at home, when you're playing in a home game, it is a social activity. The yeah. sitting down and talking about your about work, talking about your girlfriend, you know, a movie that's coming out, a book you read, you know, that's all part of the fun. Mm -hmm. um, streaming is you cut all that out of it, you know, like you every extraneous detail is removed. Um, so even if you there's still room for the odd, that's what she said, ha ha ha. If that's the tone of your game, but yeah. you need to decide if it is. Because, like, vampires, not. If you notice, once we sit down, when we're there, when the camera comes on, it's Victor, Nellie, Annabelle, and Jasper. Yes. The entire time, you know? Yeah. Uh, not counting the odd giggle. Uh, I mean, we are in. Um, there's definitely room for games that it is a little looser. Obviously, CR is looser than that. Uh, yeah. But you have to decide what it's going to be so you can stick with it. Um, then after that, I would say uh, consistency. Even if you are doing, you know, the, the smallest game that you're streaming off of a cell phone, uh, yeah. once you start forming expectations in the minds of the audience, you have to meet them. If you say we're streaming every Sunday at noon, you have to stream Sunday at noon. Yeah. I mean, you know, there will always be unforeseen acts of God, of course. You know, if the power's out, you can't help that. You know, if you get the flu, you can't help that. But I mean, you know, 95% of the time, you have to do what people are expecting you to do because that's how you form that relationship with them, which leads to the very last thing in my ramble here, which is that relationships. Um, even as you're starting off, you might only have three people watching, but talk to them, you know, talk to them, interact with them, let them know that you appreciate that they're watching, you appreciate what they're doing because that's how you get your evangelists because they start feeling like they're a part of the story. They start feeling like that's the whole thing with the hashtag family. Yes. That it's something you can be a part of because when you feel like you're a part of it, then you give a damn. That's why people want to self-identify as critters, you know, yes. because they're a part of something. And then now they're taking this journey together with you, um, you know, and yeah, I mean, that's what that, that's what um, causes people to become emotionally engaged with something rather than just kind of watching it happen like idly yeah that's that that's some really really good advice there that's uh really <laughs> really good i'm like i can rant more i, I will tell you that uh, just uh, your your streams that you do right now are they english language or are they cambodian they're english language yeah they're mm -hmm. english language. this is um it would be great to have like uh more Khmer people on, and uh, we actually um, we we had a, a Khmer college student who was who wanted to join uh, some of the, the games like early on, but uh, the poor guy he's like I think believe he's studying to be a doctor or something, and uh, yeah. he never could do the times, so it was just a, a hassle. But, uh, I mean, this might be tough, but I would say if your vision is bringing this to the country, then yeah. you've got to show it like 
in the easiest way for the people to understand. Like you've got to have, uh, I definitely in the Cambodian language at least, ideally with some people also, because that will help bridge that gap to helping them understand. Because yes. if it's, uh, I mean, e even though you can have your cultural illusions and things like that, which of course all significant and the stories are set in places with circumstances that they understand. Yes. But, uh, you know, if, if, it, if it is a total English language stream, especially if it's set somewhere like D&D &D or the Forgotten Realms, uh, that's not that much different than them watching literally anything else, you know? Yeah. So you need to make it as, like, custom and unique to them as possible, you know? For sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, hoping, uh, I'm hoping that our, uh, our new vampire show will at least get some of that out there. Being, being set in the city, if they can hear some things like, oh, I know this place, I know that thing. It's, uh, hopefully we'll yep. catch some, some attention. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it, the Blood on the Thames is doing that. Um, there's a Twin Cities by, by night is doing that. You know, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a very valid um, angle. Um, to 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 take with trying to uh, reach out already be doing this of course wait did we freeze okay we got you back sorry yeah, we, um, we. you may well already be doing this but start also participating in other fandoms that are there like you said those cosplayers you know there's cosplayers yes. interact with the cosplayers a lot interact with the comic book kids a lot in for us for a second interact with the oh did you hear me there okay yeah, as it interact with those those other geek communities interact with the cosplayers a lot interact with the comic book kids a lot interact with the board game kids a lot um yes. like you said that puzzle room thing um even if you're like can we just play our game here once a week you know like you don't even have to sign anybody up you don't have to like do anything if you're just there doing it people will come by and be like what are you doing you know yeah what's that they're doing is that dungeons and dragons oh i've been dying to find a group to play dungeons and dragons yeah. that's how you launch your adventurous league uh you you sure. peel it in, into that uh that sense of curiosity like i said it's not the open door that gets people it's the locked one you know mm -hmm. um that's what makes them want to feel like they're on the other side of the rope, that they're in on the secret. And then you get them. Boom. For sure. All right. Well, um, that was a really, really fun interview. It's really enjoyable talking to you, man. Uh, thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate you having me on. Again, I apologize for my sniffle. I, I tried to mute to the best of my ability, but there was times that my nose just wouldn't... Uh, cooperate but i will tell you this more than anything i acknowledge you for having taken the step of just starting starting's the hardest part you know yeah. starting's the hardest part everything else is just details nice well um so uh just to remind everybody before we end off today where can we find you what are your hashtags what are your social media things i'm at b dave walters everywhere uh, I'm on a little show called Vampire the Masquerade, L.A. by Night. Uh, we just wrapped season two. Our next show, uh, well, we have the epilogues are coming out every Friday. This past Friday was my epilogue, and then we have different ones every week for the next three weeks. Uh, then after that, we're doing the live show at WonderCon, uh, which might be a bit of a commute for you. Uh, but if you have a person's coming to WonderCon, please come, come check us out. Uh, I have a little comic book dropping this Wednesday, Dungeons & Dragons, Dark and Wish with uh, Tess Fowler and myself, we will also be doing signings at WonderCon, which is bananas. Um, and otherwise, uh, yeah, hit me up on the socials anytime, B. Dave Walters. Fantastic. And um, yeah, so this was uh, recording, the, just, just in case you're wondering the name of the show, um, uh, decided on calling the show uh, previously on tomorrow. Sounds kind of cheesy and a little bit confusing, which I like. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, you're ahead of me in time zone, so it works. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, this was this was episode one uh, of our, our chat on uh, previously on tomorrow. We are hosted by Dice Nerds and Nagas. And uh, if you are into Vampire the Masquerade played in Cambodia, please check out the uh, um, Kingdom of Wonder Vampire the Masquerade podcast. And we also have a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. It's all up on Dice Nerds and Nagas. So uh, 
Thank you very much, B. Dave Walters. A pleasure. And uh, yeah, if any of the other cast feel like coming on, please pass your uh, <laughs> pass your suggestions on. It'd be great to talk to some other people. Absolutely, I'll, I'll I'll make sure they know. And uh, although the problem with having me on uh, for episode one is now innately there's nowhere to go but down. It's a problem. Started too high. This, this, too is, high. this is unfortunately true. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's why I play adventure. <laughs> Excellent. All right, man. Really good talking to you. Have a, have a good uh, early morning for you. <laughs> Absolutely. You have a good one. All right. Bye.